Well, just in front of the busy holiday shopping season, U.S. President Joe Biden is today laying out some new plans to try and ease all of this congestion in the supply chain. And for more on this, we're joined now by Ian Lee from the Sprott School of Business at Carleton University in Ottawa. He joins us now here on Global News Radio. Ian, good afternoon. Uh, Good afternoon, Jeff. All right. First off, uh, what is taking so long? I think it is surprising a lot of people that we're still in the midst of this. Why is it taking so long to ease all of this congestion in the supply chain? I think it's uh, because there's so many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, let me explain that. I mean, the ports are in cities, you know, the port of Long Beach, California. Well, that's a city. It's a municipality. Um, and and not only that, but they've become heavily unionized, and I'm not bashing unions at all. I'm just saying they've become heavily unionized in the ports. They're, they're famous for years. I mean, going back literally to the 60s, uh, the longshoremen, uh, and not just in the American ports. So you've got that problem. And then you've got the aging of the population, shortage of truck driver problems, because someone has to drive up in a truck when, you, when the ports uh, offload the, the container ships, uh, the, the containers from the container ships, they have to be offloaded onto, usually onto trucks. And if there's a shortage of trucks, you get bottlenecks there as well. And then, of course, the cities are becoming more and more congested. If anyone has dri- listening to me has ever been out to Long Beach or to L.A., I've been there several times, um, the congestion is just incredible. And we haven't built new uh, port infrastructure for years and years in Canada, the States. And so this, uh, we, everything was in balance until the pandemic. Uh, and then the pandemic, of course, interrupted everything and uh, created these disruptions in the supply chain. And now trying to bring it back into balance is not easy. It's, it's, it, it'll happen. It, it can be done. There's things they can do. But it's going to take time, and, uh, you know, every estimate I'm reading is, you know, 12, 18 months before it comes back fully into, um, into equilibrium, to use the, uh, the buzzword. Okay, let me ask you this question then, Ian. Is the problem the pandemic here, or did the pandemic just expose the problem with the yes. supply chain? Does the supply chain, does it need to be modernized? Yes, the latter. The, the pandemic was merely the, um, the catalyst um, you know that um, that uh, the alert that alerted everybody uh, to the problem. I mean, the population. Remember, in both Canada and the states, unlike most countries in the world, we just take it for granted. We don't even think about it. Our populations get bigger every year. I mean, the United States has gone from 200, 250, 320. They're going to be at 400 million by 2050, which is only 20, 30 years from now. That's another. Double of Canada, two two times Canada is going to be added to the states, and uh, Canada is growing every year by one Ottawa. Every three years, by one Ottawa, uh, a, a third of a million people come in every three years. That's a million people. Well, that's one new Ottawa, and uh, and of course we haven't been building new roads by and large. We know that we haven't expanded the capacity of the ports, and yet. All of these additional people, and I strongly support immigration, by the way. This isn't a sort of a diatribe in any way or code against immigration. But the populations uh, grow every year, and so that means we need more trucks on the road. We've got to bring more stuff into the ports, and we haven't really increased the capacity of the system. And you can see this for anyone who drives to the states on the interstates. I mean, it's just wall-to-wall trucks. You go down I-95, it's incredible. And you keep, I keep thinking, why don't they double I-95, and I'm just using I-95 because many of your listeners will know it, but name any major east-west or north-south interstate. How about the 401? I mean, that thing is, I've driven on it. I drive on it regularly. It's just wall-to-wall trucks. You know, it was built in the 50s 
when Canada was one-third of the size it is, but we haven't increased the capacity of the, the roads and the ports. We've increased airports, uh, and airports ship high-value things like diamonds or computer chips. But you're not going to put coal or steel or lumber or wheat on an airplane. And so the road infrastructure and the port infrastructure has not fundamentally been augmented or increased in either Canada or the States. And so I think that this was uh, just waiting. It was a crisis waiting to happen. All right. So is it just expanding highways? Is it that easy? Or do we need to look a little more big picture here and look at uh, the way we are uh, delivering uh, goods? And I'm not exactly sure because, I mean, Ian, you bring up a really good point about a lot of these uh, heavy goods uh, as well, because I was thinking about uh, drones, but there's uh, certain things that drones just, as of right now, anyways, can't pick up and fly somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, you're right, it is far more complex. I'm just saying that's a major block, roadblock, no pun intended, a bottleneck are the roads. But that's by no means the only one. The, state of Long, uh, the city of Long Beach passed a bylaw a few couple of years ago because the good people there didn't like to see this container stack three high. And so they passed a bylaw saying you can't stack the containers more than two high, which limited the capacity of Long Beach Port to offload the containers because they used to stack them higher. And so that simple little bylaw change created an enormous bottlenecks at Long Beach. So that's just one example. Uh, there's a shortage of truck drivers. There's a shortage of roads. There's a shortage of cranes. I mean, it's going to take, I believe, federal leadership at the national level, meaning Biden, and he's going to have to use the power of the bully pulpit and the Congress and the spending power to uh, push through changes. One of the things he's announced, by the way, uh, we've all heard of pop-up restaurants. Well, they're using the power of the the federal purse to spend money to fund temporary pop-up container uh, uh, ports uh, next to existing Contain, uh, ports, so they can it, basically it's like adding a runway and uh, to an airport. So that I think is a clever idea. You know, if you're really uh, backed up or constrained at a particular port, the port of Savannah uh, in Georgia near Hilton Head um, is the third largest container port in the U.S. No kidding. Well, they're going to put pop-up container yards beside the existing shipyard there. Well, that will help. So that that's what they've got to do is that kind of creative thinking. Um, because it's going to take a lot more to build the the uh, the roads. I mean, uh, when I say build the roads, I mean building a new interstate. I think is probably impossible because of all the legal challenges from environmental groups. But you can double track existing roads. You know, it's like taking the 401 uh, between Montreal and Toronto and saying, well, we'll go from two or three lanes to six lanes, but, but side by side. Uh, you know, by going into the islands in the middle and you know that kind of thing. So there's things they can do. But it's going to take a lot of money uh, because this kind of infrastructure is very, very expensive. We're talking billions of dollars. Sure. And, uh, but it's going to take time uh, to to achieve this and pull this off. So really what we're talking about here, and you mentioned you know, shortage of like container uh, storage, uh, shortage of roadways, uh, you know, enough roadway for trucks and cars. But I think what we're really talking about here at the end of the day, Ian, is there's been a shortage of vision and yeah. where we're going. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, infrastructure is the sort of thing people don't talk about. Um, it's out of sight, out of mind. Most people don't think about it. And then, unfortunately, and I've been critical of this before, some of our politicians in both countries have hijacked the very idea of infrastructure by rebranding it as daycare centers. And I'm not against daycare centers, let's be clear. Um, but what I'm saying, and the uh, parties in this country did it, the Democrats did it in the States, where they redefined it as community centers. 
and they redefined it as daycare centers and local hockey arenas. And those are all good things. But money got diverted from building real infrastructure. Real infrastructure is anything that increases the speed at which you can move goods in, through the economy. That's the classic definition of infrastructure. Roads, ports, railroads, airports, pipelines. There is your classic definition. So some politicians opportunistically redefined it because they knew infrastructure had a good name, a good brand. So they redefined it to do things they wanted to do, which was classical social spending. Okay, uh, I understand people uh, uh, like social spending. But what they ended up doing was diverting money from, as I said, real infrastructure that would solve real problems in the supply chain into uh, things that have really nothing to do with infrastructure. And then people say, well, wait a minute, we're spending all this money on infrastructure. Well, no, we're not. We've just diverted it and rebranded it. All right. Spend it where we when we should have been spending it on real infrastructure. Meantime, there's a lot of store shelves that have remained empty. Ian, really appreciate the time as always, and thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Jeff. Thanks. All right. Ian Lee is with the Sprott School of Business at Carleton University here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.